0: This is so embarrassing. Okay. (laughs) Welcome to All My Friends Are English Majors. The podcaster I, a business major, make my friends almost all English majors. Read popular fiction with me. My guest this month is Bailey, my roommate from college. Hi, Bailey. Thank you for coming on the pod.
1: Hello. I'm kind of a funny um, first uh, guest as I am notably not an English major.
0: <laughs> no, you are not an English major, but you are like very much so an arts major. You are not a woman in STEM, so. No,
1: I'm not a woman in STEM. <laughs> woman so, well, so I'm not a woman in STEM. <laughs> yeah, um, I actually majored in anthropology in college, which is, I mean, it's a lot of reading and writing. It's not English by any means, but it is a lot. I was writing papers all the live long day um and what are my other qualifications I used to be a librarian that's um, true you did work at the library so that I feel like really just that's it that's all I need right <laughs> so it's the same thing as being an English major just working at a library being an
0: English major and it's definitely the same thing as like I don't know, getting a library science master's degree, you know, is working at the library for two years as a
1: teenager. And I do agree with that as well.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So uh, the book that we read this month, we're going to get just right on into it, was The Song of Achilles. So The Song of Achilles is a retelling of the Achilles and Patroclus section of the Iliad. Um, We're going to start with a quick trigger warning. This book is about the Iliad, and in ancient Greek mythology, there is just a ton of rape. So be forewarned, we are going to talk about rape on this podcast, because it is pretty relevant even in this book. Um, That
1: definitely um, goes along with a lot of our criticisms of the book. I feel like we should also mention that in advance. This probably is if- if you really love the song of achilles which i thought i did because i read it in high school probably in like 2014 um many moons ago uh and i thought it was like the best book i'd ever read and then now reading it again for this podcast um i was like kind of like hmm it's not the best book i've ever read (laughs) um So, so sorry if you uh, really love this book, because we'll kind of be uh, trashing it a little bit.
0: (laughs) Yes, that will be happening. I want to start, I think, by talking about why we started with this book. So, I read a lot during COVID, and I read anything that, like, Bookstagram or Booktalk would recommend to me, and when doing that, I would read these books that people were like, this is the best book I've ever read. Read the plot. Read this this is so amazing. Listen to all these characters. It's so special. I have so many feelings. And like, yeah, the books did like bring up a lot of feelings. Like I was like, this is sad. This is good. This is joyful, that sort of thing. But like, I would finish reading them and I would be like, that? Like, that's what we're talking about? And Song of Achilles is one of those that has been truly for the last decade, because it came out in 2012, talked about as like a modern classic and like one of the best books people have ever read and I just oh I really disagree I think um it's really important and special that there was like a gay love story like present and popular and this is probably one of the like first in the aughts like really special pieces of media but like I think maybe we as readers should ask for better
1: (laughs) That is valid. It is, I mean, I a winner of the 2012 Orange Prize for Fiction is, like, real big on the cover of my version of the book, and uh, that is something that I was going back to a lot, and that's also a lot of um, the criticism on, you know, like, Goodreads comments and stuff like that, is, like, winner of the 2012 Orange Prize for Fiction? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, it definitely... It is representative, I guess, of a lot of popular gay fiction. Um it's it's sad. <laughs> the main spoiler alert, the main characters die. <laughs> it is like I said representative of of a lot of gay fiction, but I think as as Tucker was saying at the beginning, um it's possibly not it It shouldn't be representative in our opinion of like what gay fiction should be like we deserve better but also I think it you know we have to keep in mind that um it's literally just fan fiction of a like thousand year old story <laughs> so that is something that you know obviously not a ton can change about it but
0: we're gonna start by reading the back of the book and then we'll go into who the characters are, and we thought we'd give you also, like, a little summary of the Trojan War for those of you who are not up on it. Um, so I'm going to start by reading the back of the book. The top of the back says, A tale of gods and goddesses, kings and queens, a mortal fame, and the human heart. Achilles, the best of all the Greeks, son of the cruel sea goddess Thetis and the legendary king Peleus, is strong, swift, and beautiful, irresistible to all who meet him. Patroclus is an awkward young prince exiled from his homeland after an act of shocking violence. Brought together by chance, they forge an inseparable bond despite risking the god's wrath. Okay, the god's wrath? You mean Achilles' mom was mad? She wasn't even a goddess, she was a nymph. Anyway. They are trained by the center Chiron, in the arts of war and medicine, but when the word comes that Helen of Sparta has been kidnapped, all the heroes of Greece are called upon to lay siege to Troy in her name. Seduced by the promise of a glorious destiny, Achilles joins their cause, and torn between love and fear for his friend, Patroclus follows. Little do they know that the cruel fates will test them both as never before and demand a terrible sacrifice. Okay, so I did critique a little in the middle of reading. I think we just need to read the back and accept that it's like fan fiction. Yeah. And like both of us have read a lot of fan fiction.
1: Uh, yeah, admittedly <laughs> so.
0: <laughs> Outing myself as an avid fan fiction reader.
1: Yeah, listen, some fan fiction is literally so good. It it really is literally so good. Just but... It.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but with like Achilles
0: and Patroclus in this story of a war, like, so much can really be done with that and with conversations about, like, cruelty and death and, like, there's so much to learn from the Iliad that it's kind of almost disappointing for it to be, like, broken down just into, like, big, strong Achilles was loved and loved weakling little Patroclus which is essentially what's other qualms I have with the back of the book is the idea of Patroclus following Achilles to the war, Um, which I think we need to talk about how the Trojan War starts before I can get into my beef about that. Mm-hmm. So basically, Helen is a daughter of Zeus. He did Sexually assault her mother, no matter like he basically roofied her, but in like a apparently sexy godlike way. So it wasn't rape. All right. Um, and she is the most beautiful woman in all of Greece. She's the son of the king of Sparta. And every king of Greece comes to Sparta to vie for her hand. And they look about the room and they realize that if one of them just tries to win Helen's heart or hand that there will be a war over her then. So Odysseus, who is often referred to as the wily Odysseus, walks to the center of the room because he didn't actually want to marry Helen. He wanted to marry her sister Penelope. um, And is like, here's what we'll do. Helen will choose her husband. And then all of us will sign an oath to go to war if Helen is ever taken from
1: her husband. Which way to just like hit the nail on the head with that one Odysseus was like that's probably gonna happen
0: yeah i mean he's smart he's the favorite you can't say son of athena because athena was like famously i think or is only artemis one of the virgin goddesses or what what's the what's the historical debate on athena's virginity
1: wait is athena the one that like just births people from her forehead or is that how she was born it was from? That's how
0: she was born. and in the Percy Jackson books, you know, excellent mythological literature. Um, yes, that is
1: where I get Annabeth all my facts. is basically
0: like I don't have a dad, like Athena's my mom. She just kind of I just kind of like popped out. So Odysseus makes them make this deal. And in the song of Achilles, Patroclus is there because his father is a married king of Greece, so he cannot vie for Helen's hand. So he brings his like nine-year-old son there and is like, well, what about Patroclus? And everyone kind of has a little giggle and Patroclus does his very best as he kind of does the whole book. Um, But yeah. he is pulled into this oath. So for the back of the book to say that Patroclus follows Achilles to the war, like Patroclus is honor bound to go to war.
1: I do think it would have been just as easy to say like, Achilles joins their cause, as does Patroclus, due to his oath, like an oath to Helen of Sparta. Like, you don't even need to explain it that much because obviously reading the book does that, but.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So basically, they all make this oath, and then life happens for probably about another decade, and then Paris comes to Sparta to visit because he's a son of the king of Troy. And him and Helen steal away in the night um, and go back to Troy. And then the Trojan War happens. So all the kings come together. It is often described as like a thousand ships left Greece and came to the like bay outside of Troy. And that's where they set up their camp. And then they fight for a decade.
1: And that's the whole... Do we want to talk about what you asked me earlier this week
0: about the Trojan War? (laughs) Bailey and I were doing some podcast prep, and I asked her, when did you find out that the Trojan War was fake?
1: She said, at what age were you (laughs) when you found out that the Trojan War is not real? Uh, Full disclosure, I am 24. The age that I found out the Trojan War was not real was the age of 24, and it was several days ago when Tucker asked me. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps I just didn't think (laughs) too much about it. I just, I guess I assumed that the war itself was real, but I was aware that the characters, like, I knew that Odysseus, I knew Achilles, I knew Patroclus, I knew Agamemnon, I knew all of them were not real, question mark. (laughs) But so for anyone like me who did think that the Trojan War was a real thing, it's not so unfortunate. I'm still really torn up about it, but I'll get over it. So you're telling me that until three <laughs> days
0: ago you believed that the Trojan War, not the Trojan War, the Trojan horse existed <laughs> and was used for the fall of the city of Troy.
1: Listen, it's ingenious. Of course, like why doesn't everyone
0: <laughs> Okay Bailey. There's a hundred men in the belly of that horse. Bailey, you must understand, lives in a little studio apartment. Can you imagine putting your studio apartment on stilts and rolling it into the city?
1: Yeah, that makes sense to me.
0: <laughs> you think You think that they had the engineering feats at the time. Like, I get that they had Odysseus and that the hand of Athena was upon him, but, like, Girl.
1: What is my question. Why, then, did I, like, always see in, like, books and stuff, like, this imagery of the Trojan horse and, like, how it would have worked, but nobody's saying, actually, this isn't real?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, myths were supposed to teach us things. I mean, they're not exactly the same thing as, like, a, um, what's the word for the tales that you're supposed to learn from? Uh, Proverbs? Oh, Proverbs works. I'm thinking of a specific one, like the tortoise and the hare.
1: Oh. Um, what is the
0: tortoise and the hare?
1: It's a story.
0: Oh, it's a fable. As oh, there you, we go. As you can see, neither of us are English majors. Um, <laughs> um But, like, we're supposed to learn, you know? Like, that yeah. is often the point of a religious tale. And at the time that these stories were being written, like, The Greek gods and goddesses were the religion. Um, They
1: should have made it seem like the Trojan horse would not have worked then because they had me convinced.
0: (laughs) But, like, Trojan horses as an allegory for trickery, like, makes a lot of sense and is still used today as a phrase that people talk about. To say, like, oh, this was presented as one thing with the explicit intent of it being another. Mm -hmm. I also think you probably read about the Trojan War in history textbooks because they were talking about the importance of Homer's writings and his influence on both other authors later through history and just like, oh yeah, like, people read the shit out of this and have been reading it for, I don't, Bailey, this is so embarrassing. I don't know when the Iliad was written.
1: I don't know, It's probably like, a couple, like a thousand years ago or something. I was
0: gonna, I was gonna say a thousand, but then I got kind of nervous. Okay. Um,
1: let's see. It was pub- wait, written in the 8th century B.C. Before Christ, and we're yes, in over 2,000 years ago. <laughs>
0: okay, sick. So, good writer. Nice work. That's why the Iliad has lasted this long.
1: Yeah, way to go, Homer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we are going to start by going in on the characters themselves. So we're going to talk about Patroclus, Achilles, Thetis, and Briseis. We can also talk a little bit about Agamemnon, but mostly in his relation to other characters.
1: Mm-hmm. We just felt like these were the the main folks that we uh, obviously show up in the story, but also that we have specified beef with.
0: <laughs> I also will say, um, I personally have been doing a lot of reading of other books about the Trojan War, especially rewritten versions, which I am happy to recommend to you all in week four of the podcast you're going to have to keep listening so sorry um and all of those books that I've read beyond Song of Achilles the characters are so filled with depth and you understand why they're making the choices they're making and there's reasons beyond well I'm obsessed with Achilles of course I'm going to do this
1: Mm mm-hmm
0: Every single one of these characters felt like they had, like, two character traits. Like, Patroclus loved Achilles and was a weakling. Achilles loved Patroclus and was both prideful and the best warrior in the land. Fetus hated Patroclus and, like... Loved her son. <laughs> loved her son. And Briseis which we looked up how to say it, but I'm not feeling
1: confident. I was listening to the audiobook, and they said Briseus. so.
0: Briseis. something. Okay. We're going to get it, ladies and gents. Um, Briseus was a slave, and, like, that's about it. Like, loved Patroclus, which we, we can talk about that, because I think that Perseus did love Patroclus, but like for Madeline Miller to twist it the way that she did was, ugh.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's start with Patroclus. He is the um, narrator of the story, so everything is from his point of view um and that i think was a lot of the downfall of this book to be fair i don't know i mean i guess it could have been written in third person and maybe that would have made it better but i don't know who else could have narrated it if it were to be written in first person
0: i think it makes sense that patroclus is the narrator i just wish he hadn't been written the way that he was mhm why is this man who was a warrior in his own right made into this like weak little boy who's like only brave thing he did what like two brave things in his whole life. He left Peleus's court to follow Achilles to Peleon to train with Chiron mm-hmm. and like followed Achilles to the Trojan War. Those are like the two choices he ever made and both of them were to follow Achilles.
1: Right. And I guess like if you wanted to add a third one it could be him going into war because Achilles didn't want to fight. Uh, which, oh, ooh, we'll talk about that. <laughs> I
0: discount count that. That's so true.
1: Yeah. And uh, he was like, I'll be Achilles because I don't want the love of my life to seem like he's making a terrible decision and um, not have all of this glory that he's been destined to have since birth, since before birth. So. I also like to
0: think I also like to think that he made that decision because he couldn't stand to see the Greeks dying any longer. Mm-hmm. like Patroclos may not have fought with them, but he cared for them when they were injured, and he became friends with them in the camp and so for him to see I don't know if you can call them brothers in arms because he did not fight in the war, but he did like care for them and did not want to see more of them die for Achilles' pride.
1: Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, it was like technically the first quote unquote family he ever had that he felt like probably like cared for him more than just like, you know, the way that Chiron did. Yes. His I father didn't.
0: Perhaps the only father figure in the whole book. Oh, I mean, yeah. King Peleus was Not the worst dad.
1: Yeah, the bar is low in ancient Greece.
0: So I think the thing that's attracted to people about Patroclus is his, like, obsession with Achilles. The way that I think that we have become obsessed with the idea of people being each other's person. And that is what romance is. And, like, Achilles and Patroclus have such an uneven power dynamic like i can't imagine seeing their relationship as a healthy dynamic because achilles like it really feels like patroclus is a hanger on the entire book
1: mm-hmm.
0: i also really had beef with the fact that he was such a weakling every single man in greece goes to war like there there is no one left in the greek homeland there are old men and there are young boys every single able bodied man who wanted to went and even the ones who didn't want to went at the behest of their king so for patroclus to be able-bodied because he is Mm able-bodied and to not fight in the war like i can't imagine him having camaraderie with all the people in camp because i think they would have hated his guts
1: yeah it i mean i guess because he has this a role of being a medic like Perhaps that is a good enough reason. I don't know. Like, obviously, I'm not a Greek historian. I don't know if medics also fought in the war at the same time. But, like, perhaps that does give him a pass. But he wasn't, like, there were, like, several years, I'm pretty sure, where he was just there in Troy, where he was, like, straight up not doing anything.
0: (laughs) Okay, yes, that's another beef I have with this book, is the timeline is so unclear. Like, really? The Trojan War is 10 years long. It's 10 years long. And so every once in a while, if you blinked, you missed it, she would be like, and three years passed. Yeah. Seven months later.
1: It really is like, uh, as I was listening to the audiobook yesterday, and suddenly they were just like 27. And I was like, what is happening? (laughs) Since when?
0: How do you feel about the fact that there's no homophobia at all
1: in this book? <laughs> I, again, not a Greek historian. I like to think that that's like vaguely historically accurate. My only other knowledge really I have of like Greek gays is technically, I mean, I guess technically Alexander the Grey is not Greek. Um, but him and Hephaestion are gay as hell, and they compare themselves to, uh, Achilles and Patroclus, like, notably in life, and that, like, I don't know, they were wild back in the day. So I feel like that's accurate, but, you know, Madeline Miller, can we talk about how Madeline Miller spent 10 years writing this book? Oh my gosh.
0: Writing a book does take a really long time this is an award-winning book. It won prizes. And I think we have to go back to the point we made at the beginning. Like, should we not be asking a little bit better of our media? Like, should we not be asking for the writing to be a little better? I think that the there are quotes in this book that are beautiful, that are applicable to many love stories and are like, oh my gosh, I've been seeing Song of Achilles Tumblr posts since I was like, 15 oh yeah people love this book and love the way that love is described in it but the way that love and is described in it and the actual love that you see in this story are not the same thing
1: Mm, that is so true yeah it's it's like I don't know what she was doing. I was going to say, like, it's like she knew what she wanted a love story to be, but chose the wrong characters to portray it. But I don't even know if that's true. I mean, I feel like she could have made them less terrible <laughs> as main characters. But I don't know. I, maybe that's the whole point. Is like Achilles is really supposed to be, like, kind of the worst. And that's
0: like... Like, let's let's move to talking about Achilles. Achilles is a demigod, and, as we know from reading the Percy Jacksons books, being a demigod makes your life a lot harder. There is this weight of destiny on your shoulders, whether or not it's a big destiny or a small destiny, and for Achilles, it was a big destiny that you have to carry your entire life. Achilles was never a child; he was always a demigod, he was always going to be Achilles, the greatest of the Greeks, and so like I think there was still a way for them to have a semblance of a balanced relationship that Madeline Miller did not pursue. She just chose to have it be Patroclus fawning on Achilles. And I think because they grew up together, because they were so close, like, they were never going to do any sort of semblance of breaking up. Like, Achilles Mm -hmm. was always going to love Patroclus, and Patroclus was always going to love Achilles. Mm Mm-hmm. He also Achilles has no personality in this book.
1: Like he's I mean, his just personality is like kind of being a dick. He's
0: he's hot, he's prideful, and he's really good with a sword.
1: Yeah. He's got great feet.
0: Oh god. <laughs> Patroclus really does talk about his feet so much. Well, and here's the other thing. I'm so sorry no one had beautiful feet at this time. They are all wearing sandals. They are all walking in the dust all the time. Like, they're in the Greek camps. There is shit everywhere. Like, they, there is no plumbing. They are living in camps. Men are disgusting. They will piss anywhere. True. Like, No one had beautiful, clean, oily feet. Like, there is no reason for Patroclus to, like, just be like, oh my god, Achilles, his beautiful feet, his beautiful face, like, feet listed first, (laughs) very strange choice from Madeline Miller.
1: I guess, Oh yeah, I guess I don't know if that's a Madeline Miller thing, or if that's like a, um, Greeks were really obsessed with the feet
0: i do think patroclus just had a foot fetish because i (laughs) do not like does achilles ever wash patroclus's feet um i don't think so once okay i will say the only time that we see achilles showing physical care for patroclus well there's once at the beginning when he lies to his his dad about patroclus and him hanging out and that's why patroclus Mm -hmm. wasn't at his little sword lessons
1: Mm
0: -hmm. and when patroclus when they first land in greece patroclus does try to fight but he's such a nightmare achilles just spends the whole time killing the people who are trying to kill patroclus
1: oh yeah that's so lit
0: (laughs) okay actually yeah that's kind of hot but (laughs) (laughs) but like also patroclus is really just like watching Achilles like do the dance of war like he's not even trying to defend himself because he's like oh my god like this is what Achilles was made to do was to fight in the Trojan War
1: again Achilles fighting and he's hot and that is it
0: I will also say that like Achilles does some really messed up stuff to not go to the war originally so I guess we should tie in Achilles mom now so Thetis is the mother of Achilles she is a nymph um she is given to king peleus by the gods but he like kind of seduces her but mostly just takes her prisoner for a year in which because she's given to him as his wife by the gods like she can he just like gets to rape her because marital rape is not a thing that exists in the time of ancient greece but like Thetis goes through a year of like Something that is undeniably traumatic. And at the end of it, the only thing that she wants to keep from that time is Achilles. Her son, who is to bring himself and through that her all of this glory. But she basically spends the entire book just being a huge bitch.
1: Yeah, and like, I was thinking about this. As I was reading the very end yesterday, I it occurred to me that i mean i'd probably also be a huge bitch to all of humanity if they did nothing for me but assault me for a year and um the only thing that came from it was your son who i mean at to some degree she must have some sort of like I don't know, issue with Achilles being half-mortal. Like, I feel like that, I don't know if that's something that, like, I would be able to get past, that, like, my child is also half of this man who raped me.
0: I will also say she was pissed that he was half-mortal because she was like, you are going to put me through this and then I'm going to have to watch my child die? Like, fuck mm. you. Like, what? Yeah. what is my purpose of being here? And... I will say I don't really like how Madeline Miller portrays any women in this book. Mm-hmm. And I get that this is a gay love story about two men, but I kind of find it like kind of like shocking and upsetting that like there is no sort of conversation or like feeling of care from any of this the men in these books towards the women. And when there is a feeling of care given, which we could say happens with like, Patroclus and Briseis, like, it's in such a strange Stockholm Syndrome-y, like, way. It, ooh, I have a lot of feelings about Briseis and the way she's portrayed Mm -hmm. in this book. And if you actually want to read about Briseis, a very good book is The Silence of the Girls by Pat Barker. That is written from briseus's point of view, especially in those integral integral days when she is both taken into Achilles' camp and then later taken by Agamemnon. You should definitely read that if you actually want a good portrayal anyway, I know I wasn't supposed to give book recommendations yet, but truly Madeline Miller really pissed me off but anyway, fetus let's go back to to the mom in the question. In <laughs> She spends this, her only character trait in this book is hating Patroclus and loving Achilles. Mm-hmm. Are we really going to call that a well-rounded character?
1: No, because we're not going to call anyone in this book a well-rounded character. So <laughs> I guess it's like true to how the story is written. I will say at the vi- I did cry two times in this book. They were both at the end. Yes, twice. <laughs> two times in this book. One is when Patroclus dies. I just couldn't help it. I don't know. (laughs) Even though I didn't care about him as a character, it was still sad. Um, And the second time is literally the very last page when, um, you know, Patroclus and Achilles have both died at this point. But um, Achilles' son, surprise has one, um, will only allow his grave to have Achilles' name on it, even though Patroclus and Achilles are both, um, their ashes are mixed together in their urn. So romantic. (laughs) Um, Finally, um, Patroclus, you know, really the only person he can talk to at this point is Thetis, because she is a vague goddess and, he is stuck in this purgatory between living in and the underworld because his name isn't properly on this grave, and so he spends, you know, the whole who knows how long, because again, time is a construct in this book. Um, just telling Thetis about Achilles and his life, um, and that is like really all she wanted to know, especially since you know her last his his la- Achilles last words to his mom are like go essentially some form of like get away from me because he's so distraught about Patroclus like it's oh it's so sad <laughs> so you know having that like image of your son who you've spent your whole life loving so much um be soured at the end of his life uh is sad and so you know thetis's like last gift i guess to achilles and only gift to patroclus is adding his name to achilles grave and that is like oh that really gets me i think she did that for him
0: It is very sweet that she did that for him. It is, like, perhaps a final act of a mother's love, which is Mm -hmm. supposedly this, like, unbounded thing to give her son one last gift, like, beyond the grave, Mm -hmm. because it's all that she can do for him anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see. I also think that we should talk about the fact that she thinks Patroclus, like, is not worthy of Achilles' love or even his companionship. Mm-hmm. Um, but also they skip out on the way that, I you know, like, gods and people with immortality understand love and time and relationships in comparison to humans.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, I think it would have been really interesting to address, like, how Thetis understands love and what it means to, like, be loved by another versus, like, people with a limited lifespan. Like, um, Madeline Miller wrote another book called Circe, and, like, the way that the gods act towards one another and the way their relationships work are so different than how Patroclus and Achilles' relationship works, and I just wish that she had, like, taken the time to, like, Really go into like immortality and how it affected the way that Thetis thought about things. Because, like, a shortened lifespan, like, Achilles was promised immortality if he did enough, right? Mm -hmm. And Thetis wanted desperately for her son to be immortal for both the glory and so he could be with her in eternity. And that lack of immortality with her son was, I think, clunky. In the book and like not well addressed and I also think the fact that sh- like we didn't really talk about the different kinds of immortality that there are like we still talk about Achilles Mm-hmm. And like perhaps that is what the prophecy that Thetis heard was about. Was like Achilles would live in glory forever. Forever being the fact that it is twenty twenty two and two thousand years ago Homer wrote a
1: book. even.
0: Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um. Like we're still talking about Achilles existing today,
1: mm-hmm. because
0: as we know, the Trojan War did happen.
1: And that is true. That's something I've always known. <laughs> yes, you have always known that the Trojan War did happen. Can I have an aside here to say um, it is whack that in the book he is stabbed through in the back by a spear and not his ankle?
0: Does the book make it clear that she dipped him in the river Styx? No. That's so interesting, because the gods are, like, really pretty present in this book, so it's shocking that they, like, didn't follow through on the rest of the myth of
1: Achilles. That is, like, the whole thing, like, that's the whole thing about why he's even mentioned in 2023 at this point, is the Achilles heel, which we still refer to it as. So, like, why didn't she have that part in it? It doesn't make any sense.
0: Well, and maybe she was trying to emphasize that he really is just a man, like, that might be what she's going for, but, once again, another clunky thing that she did. I also think it kind of blows that, like, Achilles kills Hector and it, like, essentially ends Troy's chances at victory, but, like, slimy Paris is the one who eventually slays Achilles. Like, Mm. I think just generally that sucks. I think Homer should maybe
1: revise. (laughs) I mean, I I will say it was, like, only with the help of Apollo that that was possible. So, like, technically he could only be killed by a god, but...
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about Briseis, who is Mm -hmm. so important to me. So, in... (laughs) In the Iliad and in other rewritten versions of the Iliad that I have read, um, Briseis is the queen of a town in the Trojan countryside. Every man Mm -hmm. in her family is killed. And she comes to the camps, the Greek camps, pretty late in the war. And come is a strong word. Um, Mm -hmm. She is taken. She is made a slave. And in the way that all the female slaves that came to the Greek camps were, her body was theirs for the taking especially because she was young frankly any woman who came to the greek camps could have been the victim of a sexual assault but like Briseis specifically like was taken to the camps and immediately like led up onto a platform to be chosen as a war prize Mm -hmm. and something that you have to understand about the trojan war is that by about like a year or two in agamemnon has stopped going out into the field he's the king of all of the greeks He sacrificed his daughter in front of his wife to be able to get, whack, dude, (laughs) um, to be able to get a fair wind to be able to sail sail to Greece because he had pissed off the goddess Athena and she required the sacrifice of a virgin. Um, Achilles and Agamemnon have had beef since the beginning of the war because she comes. Iphigenia, Agamemnon's daughter, comes to the cliffside because she believes she has been promised in marriage to Achilles. Um, and Achilles is like, okay, this seems kind of weird. Like, I already have kind of a wife with, what, Diademea? Who, that was a whole other fucked up thing that Madeline Miller did. That was like deeply strange um but whatever i'll go stand at the altar and then in front of his eyes she is dragged backwards and her
1: like throat is ritualistically cut i mean but they had beef even before that to when you know achilles first showed up he wouldn't bow to agamemnon who was supposed to be you know the general of of this war yeah. the king of the greeks
0: Well, and that is so interesting because, like, Agamemnon and Achilles, like, Achilles really did volunteer. Like, he was not a part of the agreement. Mm -hmm. So I think Agamemnon's pride and Achilles' pride were always going to clash heads. But anyway, in the actual Iliad, Briseis does not come into the war until many years after Agamemnon has stopped going out into the field. But Agamemnon, as the king of all of the Greeks, is like, well, here's the thing. I deserve first pick. But before he can choose, Achilles basically says, oh wait, no, I'm so sorry, I'm getting confused. Chryseis is also up there with Briseis. I guess it would be Chryseis. Now, who is Chryseis? Chryseis is a Trojan girl who was leaving to visit her lover in the countryside. Um, And the city of Troy has been besieged for, at this point, almost a decade. And you were not allowed to leave the walls. And she was captured by the Greeks. And she was the son of one of... Hmm, the daughter of one of Apollo's <laughs> priests. So she is chosen by Agamemnon. She's very young. She's, like, 14. Um, And Agamemnon... Is not a kind man and she is sexually assaulted, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And Briseis, who is by all accounts like more beautiful than Chryseis, is taken to Achilles' camp. Q, a couple of months later, her dad, the priest, made it out of Troy and comes stomping down the beach and is like, Please give me my daughter Chryseis back. And Agamemnon is like, No, she's my war prize that I earned. And that pissed a couple of people off because they were like, you earned? You earned her? But anyway, he says no. And something you have to understand about Apollo is he is the god of the plague. So the priest of Apollo basically calls upon his god and is like, bring a plague down upon the Greeks. And it is a nasty nasty bug they like bleed and vomit from the mouth they die within like 24 hours it rips through the camp and agamemnon is basically like um i pretend i do not see it
1: i do do not understand what's happening
0: and eventually they're like achilles goes to him and is like what the fuck are you doing you are killing us give the girl back and agamemnon is like Fine, I'll give the girl back, but for you to come to me and say that is so insolent, and I am only doing it because I thought of it first, and because I had to give my prize back. Because you chose Briseis second, I want her. So he takes Briseis, and Achilles is pissed. This is all in the Iliad. This is Mm -hmm. not in the Song of Achilles. (laughs) Let's be very clear about what happens in the Song of Achilles being very different than what I'm describing right now. And this is what starts the conflict between Achilles and Agamemnon. Achilles quits fighting. He refuses to fight. And then Briseis being taken by Agamemnon is what eventually causes the death of Patroclus at the hands of Hector. And then the death of Hector at the hands of Achilles. And then after he kills Hector, he just goes feral and eventually is killed by Paris. So she is the, like, tipping point is Mm -hmm. Briseis being taken by Agamemnon. So in the Song of Achilles, Briseis is like one of the first war prizes in like the first month. Uh And the only reason that she's taken into the camp is because Patricus looks at her and he's like, Achilles, look at her. She's scared. (laughs) We have to take the women into our camp because the way that we rape these women who are slaves is going to be so much gentler than the way that those other men are eyeing her.
1: Uh-huh, uh-huh.
0: And so they take Briseis into the camp. And it becomes like this perfect little commune where, yeah. like, Achilles and Patroclus are lovers and Briseis is just like, don't worry, I'll learn Greek and then I'll help make all the other female slaves more and then, like, eight years in, they've all been living together that long in their perfect little, none of these women are slaves, commune. And, like, some of the women are pregnant, and everyone looks happy and proud and are building this little these little families. And it's just, like, deeply, deeply fucked up.
1: And like, maybe, I mean, to give Madeline Miller the benefit of the doubt, maybe we are supposed to realize that it is deeply fucked up, and that is, like, I don't know. But also, she really was not making it seem that way. She was really making it seem like, no, 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 trust me, everyone's good now, like, we are besties, the commune is great, and nobody is being assaulted anymore.
0: In the Iliad, also, Briseis belongs to Achilles for such a short amount of time that part of the reason he's pissed is he hasn't gotten to bed her yet. Like he's like, can't believe Agamemnon got to get his dick wet before I
1: did. Mm-hmm. Like
0: I'm not fighting this war anymore.
1: Yeah, oh I mean the way that it is in the the way that it is in the Song of Achilles, it does make it like a little bit confusing about why Achilles is so mad that he that Agamemnon takes or wants to take Perseus. But I guess. I guess that's the point of the conflict. Well, was there a point to the conflict between Patroclus and Achilles? Patroclus being mad that Achilles would just let let Agamemnon take Briseis?
0: Patroclus was mad that Achilles just let Agamemnon take Briseis. Patroclus was mad that Achilles was letting his pride go so far that he was going to let Briseis be raped Uh. by, like, Agamemnon. Which, like, oh my god. Oh my god as if she had not been a slave for a decade! For a decade!
1: But was there, I guess my question is, was there a point to Patroclus and Achilles being so, like, at odds about this issue?
0: I think we were finally supposed to see that, like, Achilles really had things to work on that Patroclus was finally starting to understand were never going to change about him, and his pride was one of those things. I think also perhaps we are supposed to understand that like the length of the war was really beginning to weigh on Achilles, especially in the fact that like people were beginning to ask why he wasn't facing Hector. And we yeah. as readers understand that the um, prophecy given to his mother was that like after the death of Hector will come the death of Achilles. So I think all of that is probably starting to weigh on him as well as the fact that he has like been this war hero for a decade where whereas Agamemnon has been in the back like pushing up his glasses and being like, "Well, I have to look at the maps back here and make <laughs> sure that we are going the right direction. Don't worry, you got it,
1: Achilles. I'm, I'm just going to be the king of has all the Greeks forgotten where Troy is even though we've been here for 10 years." <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: I think that's all we wanted to talk about with the characters. Do we want to dig in on our next
1: section? I think we're ready. I think okay. Is, this is the fun section.
0: This is the fun section. We're gonna stop talking about sexual assault. very exciting yes um. <laughs> Um. So a, a lot of the books that I've read and were recommended to me on Book Talk, a large majority of them were romance or had some sort of romance in them. And so every pod, um, except when we read a couple of books, because I'm not a fool, um, we're going to do a section called The Perfect Man. And we're going to talk about the toxicity of the love interest, because I think that a lot of the rhetoric that I see online is of people being like, oh my God. Achilles he's so sexy and the way that Patroclus and him love each other it's so special and perfect there's never been such a perfect love as Patroclus and Achilles and I'm like girl are we reading the same
1: book? Truly truly truly. (laughs) Have we explained the fact that book talk is just uh the side of TikTok where people talk about books?
0: No but I figure if you're listening to this podcast you probably know what book talk is. There's also Bookstagram. And they're both social medias that are where you talk about books and give book recommendations. Um, And I think I have a lot of beef with them that we can get into later. Nice. Perfect. Okay. Let's see. What did I write in the, my first sentence in the outline says, Achilles does not rock. And, and I like stand that. by that. <laughs> yeah. I stand that by that. He's super toxic. He, like, has sex with and impregnates a woman to avoid going to war. He Wait, is that was fine. His
1: mom told him to do that. Tucker, his mom said he. Had oh to do
0: my that. god! I'm not gonna have sex with someone because my mom told me to do it. <laughs> Act but like a grown
1: up. Is really mean sea
0: Bailey didn't. Don't you know? My mom is a really mean sea. Oh my god! No, she's not. She's not. She's the best. She's not. But it was very good for the joke, so I had to make it. Um and that is true. So, things that make Achilles' life difficult that give me, like, a little bit of a, of a pause about hating him. He did have the hand of fate on him his entire life. Like, that weighs heavy on your shoulders, knowing that you will either die in obscurity or, like, live a short life of fame. He, like, really is... Like, a hero in the demigod Greek sense, with, like, the hand of fate on him. Not like, hero saves kitten from tree! But, like, hero single-handedly wins a war against an
1: entire city that they're besieging. He has hella hubris about it.
0: Oh, he does have more than a little hubris about it. But he is, like, really distinctly not fighting for the little guy in this book. Like, I don't think he cares at all about the men that he's fighting with. Mm -hmm. He, like, really is just fighting for the glory, and the way he's going to, like, earn that glory is by doing what the gods want him to do. I don't know. It- he's really not good.
1: No, and I mean the real, uh, the real kicker is, I mean, of course, his like one good trait is supposed to be how much he loves Patroclus, and yet simultaneously, and Briseis does mention this, um, which good for her, um, the you know simultaneously he lets Patroclus dress up as him in his armor and run out into the middle of the war, which he has not done in nine and a half years to try and fight. What yeah. what was what was Homeboy's thought process there? I would like to I know. don't I don't know what Homeboy's thought process was there. I like
0: maybe and I the the only reason I think he made that choice was because he thought that, like This would be a stain on his honor, but he didn't want to give up his pride. And maybe he saw how upset Patroclus was. I think you make a good point also in the outline about how crazy you would be if everyone had been drooling after you your entire life. Like, you're just, like, not gonna have good decision-making skills because you have always been hot.
1: And that is true. And I may I have this theory and it may upset some people, but I've had it for many moons and I refuse to let it go. It's he's giving homeschool energy. And here's what I mean by that. Homeschool energy to me is you have grown up only around your family, really. Like, you're not going to school. Nobody is, like, bullying you. You're not getting, you know, the social interaction that most people do um, that I think is helpful for growing up in this here society, Um, whether we want it to be or not. Um, so it, it is giving, it's, it's giving homeschool energy in that, uh, if you grow up and everyone knows that you're perfect and you know that you're perfect and the love of your life knows that you're perfect and nobody says otherwise, it's the perfect man segment is really for Achilles in that he is, if we were to rate the, I don't know if we have a scoring system for toxicity scale, but Achilles has got to be at the top.
0: I... Maybe we can just, like, make a chart. Maybe I'll have, like, a rolling Google Doc. That'll be the only thing linked on my Instagram. And we can just, like, rate the men as we go. Hell yeah. That would be good. That um, be good. There are two ways that he is less toxic. He keeps Patroclus alive when Patroclus is too busy ogling him being good at war to keep <laughs> him his own self alive. <laughs> and two...
1: There's some self interest there too because what if you let it's a little bit embarrassing if you let like the man that you love die on the battlefield with you.
0: I also <laughs> go ahead.
1: No, I was gonna say, but also that is nice of him <laughs> to keep him alive.
0: I also think the other way in which he is not toxic is the only thing he really asks of Patroclus is not to question him and like not to treat him like he is a monster for all the killing that he has done. He never says like to be birth- worthy of me. You must be like a warrior of my own right, which I think is kind of sweet. But yeah, mostly I mean, I... I'm like homies. You're bad for each other. I guess it. Uh,
1: I would I would argue that like the second thing that he does is. That he, and who knows why this is the case, but he cares for Patroclus more than anyone else, obviously. He, like, won't even look at anyone else the way that he looks at Patroclus. Um, and that's sweet and everything. Um, I do think that never questioning him could be seen as toxic because it's... Oh!
0: It is. (laughs) (laughs) But it is the only thing he really asks of him. Right. I will also say it is like really toxic of Achilles, especially at the end of the book, to just because he loved Patroclus dearly does not mean he was the only one. Like when Briseis is like, you have to let me bury him. Like you Mm. have to let me help you. You have to let me do my women's work. Women's work is the burial shroud and the perfume and things she had probably done for hundreds of the myrmidons which was um, the name of Achilles Fighters. Um, She was like, let me do this for my friend, for this man that I care for deeply. While that relationship deeply fucked up in this book, like that is the way we are supposed to understand this relationship. And so like Achilles obsession and love for Patroclus continues to damage Patroclus, even in his death.
1: And like, that's also
0: toxic.
1: And that is true. And yet... It is still I still think it's romantic. <laughs> He's like, I really cannot let this man go. I love him so much.
0: It it is, I think, kind of romantic for someone to lose their mind at the death of their lover, but also mm-hmm. like I think that we need to This man is rotting in your tent. Like, Man is rotting in your tent. tent. It is stinky in there. (laughs) Stinkier than y'all's feet ever made it. Like, it is disgusting in there. Okay, another segment that we're going to do in most of the podcasts is a segment called Too Many Hands. Because a lot of these books have a little bit of hanky-panky in them. And as Bailey and I are avid fanfiction readers, um, I think that we can attest two times that we have read things where you kind of turn your head sideways and you're like,
1: hmm. Suddenly they're 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 laying on the bed, but then they're also standing, and someone is like slammed against a wall, and like, <laughs> <they're laughs> <out. laughs> and like, yeah,
0: and there's like a hand at least three different places right. at the same and your time. legs are wrapped
1: around their waist but also part of you is standing on the ground trying to, <laughs> to it, like you know you know what we're talking about You're, you do
0: you do know what we're talking about um and this book was not particularly smutty the only thing mm-hmm. that we were really going to talk about was we were going to make a little fun of them for being horny teenagers yeah. so when they first meet they're living in Peleus's palace And then Achilles gets sent to Mount Pelion to become a warrior. And then he gets there, and Chiron is like, Homie, I cannot teach you anything about
1: being a warrior. Look at you. But anyway, they get... We want to look at these herbs instead.
0: (laughs) So Patroclus follows Achilles because he's like, I don't want to stay here without you. Um, Your mom hates me. If I stay in the palace and you're not there, she might find a way to cause my demise. And also I love you, so I wanna go with you. And they have not really been able to do any funny business in the palace because Thetis do always be watching. Mm-hmm. And so well, they go like, to Mm,
1: twelve at the time that they actually I thought they were like fourteen. Paleon.
0: They definitely kiss in the palace.
1: Uh, yeah, that's true. But twelve year olds kiss. But they're on Paleon for what, like three, three years? years. Yeah.
0: And I think they're seventeen when they go to war. So I think they were 14. Okay. But anyway, they're on Pelion, and then Thetis comes to visit, and she's really pissed that Patroclus is there. And then, through a couple of conversations, um, they find out that Thetis can't see them on the mountain. And when Achilles tells that to Patroclus, they immediately, like, are in this cave by themselves, and they look at each other, and then are just, like, immediately getting
1: after it. They're yeah, like, we will be fucking <laughs> <laughs> we have to
0: be and that is a cave curious, so funny and i think very akin to teenage horniness where they're like oh my god we're in the house by ourselves
1: mom isn't my parents aren't home come over <laughs> my parents aren't home come
0: over also known as my mom can't see us on this mystical mountain where we're being trained to be
1: warriors yeah let's go fucking this horse cave <laughs>
0: And like the Are worst to swear is, on this
1: podcast. Um. Yeah. I. I
0: that yeah. That's fine. We, have been. <laughs> we also we have been. So the other thing that I will say that is so embarrassing is Kyra knows. Oh yeah. Oh, so yeah. I think also the lack of teen shame is very funny.
1: That no, is funny. Good
0: for okay. So that's kind of what too many hands is gonna be. So I wanted to dig in and talk about the book talk of it all. So something that I have beef with with book talk is, as previously stated, I don't think they look that closely at the media that they're recommending. I think that they, like, see something fun or something enjoyable to read and they're like, this is the best book I've ever read. And it's like, we just talked for an hour and ten minutes about why maybe it is not the best book you've ever read. Um... I also think that popular books like this are really kind of worrying to me from a consumerist perspective, um, as well as book talk in general is worrying to me as someone who is trying to consume less physical things.
1: No, it's not even um centered around book talk. I feel like the entirety of TikTok as someone who loves TikTok unfortunately, I do feel like the entirety of TikTok is very based around consumerism and and trend culture and buying, you know, the next newest thing to to catch up with with everyone else. So, it's an issue.
0: So I would say, personally, I own three bookshelves worth of books, and that is a collection that has taken me, at this point, 25 years to collect. I have books that I've owned since I was a baby, I have books I've owned since I was a child, I have books I've owned since I was a teen, Teen. I have books I bought in college, I have books I bought after college, um, and I have worked really hard and implemented a new rule for myself, because I discovered I'm not very good at picking out books, I am not going to buy a book unless I've already read it. And that is not what Book Talk does. Book Talk has like two read piles that are taller than my dresser, that they just like go to Barnes and & Noble and buy like 40 books. What if you don't like them? There's no yeah. need to own a book that you don't like, and leave it yeah. on your bookshelf to display for other people, to remind yourself what it was like to read it. What I do think is you should own books that you care about and you want a reminder of what it was like to read it for the first time or a memory of where you got it. Like, I'll tell you, I went on a fun trip with friends to St. Louis like four years ago about the book Why Nations Fail because I thought it would be interesting. And I've never read it because it puts me to sleep. Oh, no. Oh, no. But I keep it on my bookshelf as a reminder of the time I got to spend with friends and that I went to that cool indie bookstore, even though I don't really like the book that much. But, like, that's one of those things that makes me want to stop buying
1: books. Yeah, here's the um, here's where my uh, actual uh, qualifications come in hand. Go to a library. Y'all, there's this thing called a library. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. But you can get books for free. And you can just read them and then return them. And then you don't have to keep them unless you really want to. And then you can buy it. It's, man, is it so easy. And there is always a public library near you, I promise. They are funded by the government, so it should be there. <laughs> it should be close to you. Get a library card. Cannot recommend it enough.
0: And if you don't want to get up and go to the library, there's an app called Libby. You can download to your phone, connect okay, your library yeah. card to it, and then you can send it to your Kindle, or you can read library books on your phone. That rocks too. So a couple of things that we need to talk about before we wrap up. There's two questions, and we're also gonna read some Goodreads comments. Um I will read my two Goodreads comments first and then bailey is going to read hers second
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um mine is my first one is kind of long but that's okay
1: yeah
0: this one says much like cat valente whose writings i also vehemently dislike miller's prose is good in the sense that it lends itself to a thousand out of context quotes on tumblr she's got some genuinely evocative and stunning lines i'm sure you've seen them all over social media but in terms of actual writing i.e. pacing and character development and characterization there's nothing there word
1: damn that's so true
0: (laughs) like i said i've been seeing song of achilles tumblr quotes and being like oh that's so romantic for 10 years yeah
1: and they are still romantic but then there's the rest of the book that you have to read around the quotes and you're like
0: and then my second one is Words cannot describe how much I despise this book. I was genuinely shocked at how wildly inaccurate Madeline Miller's interpretation of these characters is, and I'm still shocked by the blatant misogyny, weirdly fetishistic homophobia, and overall poor writing. Miller has said she spent 10 years, the length of the Trojan War, on writing this novel. My opinion is that she should have spent Odysseus's journey home as well before sending it off for publishing. Or just giving the manuscript the same treatment Clytemnestra gave her husband. I know I picked some mean ones, and I want to say I did not attribute to them to the author because I think it's kind of iffy when podcasts just like put other people on blast without their permission. Um, but I agree with everything that the author said. Also, in case you don't know, Clytemnestra murdered her husband. So,
1: yeah. <laughs> as was her right. Um, also we, I feel like before I read my quotes, mine are so silly and I just needed to, you know, I feel like finishing out the pot with them is, is a good move. But, um, I do want to mention that we, we are bashing on Madeline Miller a lot in this specific episode but I will say the next book that we're reading is also written by Madeline Miller and I haven't finished it yet but so far it's like worlds better to me like writing wise and plot wise so she will get her redemption arc in the next episode
0: I have read the book we're reading next week before and the reason that we're rereading it is because it bangs
1: So (laughs) Okay, my quotes. So one of them, uh, I'll read the second one first. One of them is this person gave the book four stars on Goodreads out of five. They said four stars. Achilles is kind of dramatic, not gonna lie. That's it. That's all they said. But still four stars. And I was like, you know what? Hell yeah, I see where you're coming from. Um, And then even better, in my opinion, my second Goodreads comment, uh, it says, if you want to read about two gay cousins fucking in a tiny bit modernized ancient Greece, get it. Plato's Symposium could also be a fine alternative.
0: The last sentence really makes it on that one. So we're going to end the pod with two questions every time. So we're going to answer the question, would you buy it? And then we're also going to answer the question Was of, was this book good or did this book just make you feel good? So we're going to start with, would you buy it? Bailey, would you buy it? Do you own this book?
1: I do own this book. And I will say, like I said, the first time I read it was probably like 2013, 2014. Um, and that is when I purchased it back when I was in my, my big book buying phase um, of like early high school. So I I do feel like I can't say whether or not I would buy it as I already have <laughs> many moons ago. Um, But also, you know, it was at that time where I was like, this is the best thing I've ever read in my whole life and it is making me weep. Um so I I guess would I buy it again? Would I buy like another copy of it with like a different cover or something like that? Because there's about ten different Song of Achilles book covers that you can buy. Um, no. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. But I already own it. So like I said, take my opinion with a grain of salt. Tucker, would you buy it?
0: Okay. So because of my poisoned little consumerist rat brain, I do want to own every book that I do on the podcast, just so I can like make a little stack and be so excited and see what I've read. But I have no need to own this book. I didn't enjoy it very much. I have read other rewritten Greek books books that are much better than this, and I like don't need a reminder of how frustrated I was reading this book.
1: Yeah, that's fair.
0: Okay, next question going to you, Bailey. Was this book good? Did the book make you feel good? Was it both? Was it neither? Where are you at with The Song of Achilles?
1: So it definitely doesn't make me feel good, like, almost in any way. I think maybe I might have like when I was younger because I was like angsty and a teen and dramatic and had not, I mean all of the books that I had read at the time were all like kind of trashy YA novels so I was like this is it, this is the best of the past. Um, was the book good? I mean, no. <laughs> um, I will say it. Can I introduce the next book? Yeah. As a comparison. So, next month, we've already mentioned it. Uh, or next month, next week, um, we're going to be talking about Madeline Miller's um, other book that she's written, Circe. And I have. I think I'm only on chapter six right now and it I've already texted Tucker about it and said this is crazy this is like worlds better like I can't believe that this is the same author um even because it is like comparatively speaking so good (laughs) um so I think that uh this book I might have said that it was good like a few years ago and I might have said that it was good even like a few days ago um but then you know comparatively speaking I'm like damn actually this book sucks (laughs) (laughs) okay about you did you like it did it make you feel good
0: I don't think this book was good and I also don't think it made me feel very good I the ways in it would in which it did not make me feel good, I want to consume better media than this. I want collectively as a whole for us to like better media than this and to promote better media than this. I don't want this to be the definitive work on like the perfect gay love story. Right. They're not <laughs> good for each other. Yeah. Um, was this book good? um pacing was poor plot was poor character depth was poor plot could have been good
1: the iliad is good
0: um, homer go off homer
1: go off no no stop
0: (laughs) but the prose is excellent Mm, mm -hmm. like am i using the word prose right guys i am not an english
1: major i don't know if you knew this but we are not english (laughs) (laughs) major
0: But the book ends, the final line of the book, after Patroclus' name has been written on Achilles' grave so that he can enter the afterlife. The final line of this book is, in the darkness, two shadows reaching through the hopeless heavy dusk. Their hands meet. And light spills out in a flood, like a hundred golden urns pouring out into the sun. Like that is great. That's beautiful. She that's wrote some so beautiful good. lines. Girl, write some poetry. Yeah. Just like write a couple of poems about Patroclus <laughs> and Achilles. That would have been better. Yo, oh, you're so right. <laughs> oh my God, Madeline Miller, come on the pod. I don't know.
1: On the pod, we were so. <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> okay, actually, we're gonna wrap it up because okay, it has been an hour and a half. On,
1: uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter.
0: Oh yes. Um, I will do my little bit. So follow us on Instagram at English Majors Pod. Follow us on Twitter at English Majors Pod. No, I because English Majors Pod was too long. Um, you can yeah. also send me an email if you hate my gut for how I just talked about song of Achilles at um, Pod at gmail.com. And thank you guys so much for listening to our inaugural episode. Um, I'm Emily Tucker. Depending on who is on the pod with me, they will either call me Emily or Tucker. It's kind of anyone's guess. (laughs) No, that's okay. Um, And thank you so much, Bailey, for coming on. Um, She will be back for the next three weeks to finish out Greek Myth Month with me. And this has been All My Friends Are English Majors. Thanks for coming on.